This is a Need 10 Media production. Hello, it's Nate Clayberg, and welcome aboard this episode of That's a Job podcast. And on this show, we talk to professionals about jobs that many of us may not know exist and, well, some jobs that we are familiar with, but we get to learn more about the work and the pathway that people get those jobs and, and where they're at today. In this episode, I'm excited to connect you with Stephanie Short. I met Stephanie this past summer at the CAPS Network uh, Summer Huddle in St. Louis, where she presented a concept created by the organization called America Succeeds. It's around the skill sets employers are really looking for today, and they call them durable skills. We'll dive deeper into that here in just a little bit. But Stephanie, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Well, before we dive completely into learning more about durable skills, we're going to learn more about you. But I'm going to take it back to that uh, 17, 18-year-old Stephanie. What story were you telling people when they were asking you, where are you going after graduation? What do you want to do? What what were you telling those people? So when I was a junior, senior in high school, I thought my future pathway was to be in theater, in particular musical theater. And so I had auditioned at a bunch of schools and had all these big plans uh, to pursue that in college. But as my senior year got a little closer uh, to ending, I, I had a moment where I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> so instead, um, I went to the state school in my hometown, uh, CSU, and uh, started as an undecided uh, freshman, just really curious to explore the pathways in front of me. So you come in as as undecided and you know, was there much pressure on, on choosing a major at that point? Did you feel like you were going to have to maybe settle for something or take me through the process of where you went from undecided to being able to figure out some sort of pathway? Yeah, well, I am the oldest of uh, four children and both my parents uh, have master's degrees. So it was always go to college, pick a career path, probably go to grad school. What I realized in the experience is no one had ever really talked to me about the jobs that were out there or the opportunities that were in front of me. So I was left really as a trying it on to figure out if I liked it or didn't like it. Through that journey, I actually had five majors in two and a half years, almost three years at CSU before I ultimately uh, took a break from college to the demise of my parents and other adults in my life, managers and, and mentors that I had through work. They were so devastated at the idea that I might take some time away, but I really needed some time to explore uh, what it was that I was interested in doing in the world, what sorts of things lit me up that might make a viable career pathway. I will say that this story has a good ending because I did end up uh, back in school. I ended up at a business school and pursuing a marketing degree um, because I had learned in my time out in the world working that that was an area I was really looking to grow and explore career pathways. So when you look at going back, what were some obstacles or even some challenges, um, I guess, internally or externally, 
that maybe prevented you or guided you away from really looking ahead to see what kind of work you wanted to do? Just thinking back that far. I think I was always a really academic student. So I got, I was in all the AP classes. I had the perfect college transcript. So all the conversations that I was having uh, with adults as a young person were focused on what college are you going to go to and less about what are the problems that you're interested in solving? What are the skills or areas that you think you're really strong that we could connect to a career pathway what are the sorts of jobs or industries that interest you? And so it just took me a little longer than other individuals to find that on my own. And it was largely by going out in the world and working jobs. And I worked a lot of restaurant jobs. I worked in a hotel. I ultimately did worked at a, at a dinner theater, um, worked with small businesses. I worked at a little dance boutique and a bridal boutique. I worked for a wedding planner. Uh, so I got my sort of crash course in career opportunities by going out and uh, pursuing a bunch of entry-level careers, which was wonderful experience, but there are far easier ways, far faster ways to tap into potential career pathways by starting to have conversations with young people earlier on in their journeys. Do you feel like you would have listened to somebody who was going to maybe tell you that at 16 or 17 of, hey, Stephanie, I know you're studying hard for this test and, and getting all these AP classes in, but we need to have a conversation about careers. Do you feel like 17-year-old Stephanie would have had a hard time with that? I think 17-year-old Stephanie was really concerned about checking the boxes and not disappointing people. So not disappointing my parents or my teachers, even some of the like choir directors and others that were really bought into this theater pathway. It was uh, really hard for me to find the space to say, Hey, maybe this isn't something I'm interested in. I think because I was really struggling what it meant to have other people uh, proud of or happy about the place that I ended up in. And so because I was so focused on others, I really wasn't turning inward to myself and thinking about what were the things that I wanted uh, out of my future career. And other than not doing musical theater, I did not get very far in that journey before the, the time to go off to college game. Well, and you're not unusual in that. There's there's a number of people out there that, yeah, it's here's the pathway to to get through high school and then you go to college and then you'll go to work, but it's not much conversation into trying to figure that out. But how hard was that for you, you know, leaving Colorado State and you talked about those jobs you bounced around in uh, before you just finally, you know, you, you went back to school to pursue marketing, but there had to be some pressures with that, you know, from family, from questions on friends of, I'm sure it was, Hey, did you guys hear what Stephanie's doing? She dropped out and is, uh, just working, uh, at, at some random jobs. How, how do you overcome that? And then, you know, it brings you to, you have some bumps along the way, but, you know, obviously you overcame that. 
honestly, it's highly anxiety inducing and those feelings are natural. I also struggled a long time with feeling like a failure or having a chip on my shoulder because I didn't uh, go to school alongside my peers and graduate really cleanly in four or five years and, and start this career right away that I was taking more of a winding path. The biggest lesson I have learned though, is that you really can never mess up that badly when it comes to choosing that there is, there was so much value in going out and working those odd jobs and figuring out in real time, the things I liked to do, I didn't like to do the things I was good at the places where there was lots of opportunities to improve. Um, that was really valuable. Ultimately. I also think, uh, I really reflected more on after I went back to school, I had a lot of fear, Uh, as I got closer to my college graduation, that I was going to somehow mess up my future pathway again by not taking the right job or the perfect job. And what I learned is that there is no perfect job, right? In the same way, finishing my marketing degree, ultimately getting my first marketing role, there was so much to learn and so many opportunities to grow and build on my knowledge that it wasn't so much about a right path or a wrong path, but really uh, continually reflecting on what the opportunities and choices were in front of me and how I would continue to learn and grow over time. So what kind of opportunities did you find yourself presented with upon graduation um, and, and the marketing roles you had along the way to, to take you to today? Well, my very first marketing job was with a magazine publishing company. It was a, a trade magazine, um, which might date me a little bit because many of them are not around today. Uh, but I really wanted to work at a tech startup. And so I found there was a gap between um, what I needed to know for those jobs and what I had gotten uh, in my time at college. And so I think that's where I really learned how to um, be a self-starter, be a self-learner. I honestly took a bunch of online courses and I taught myself how to code and I taught myself some graphic design and believe it or not, Facebook for business was a brand new thing back then. And I took this Facebook for business certification. And as soon as I had some of those technical skills on my resume, I broke right into the, the tech startup space that I wanted it to be in. And I ultimately... Uh, spent a number of years, I think five or six companies overall. It's a bit of a blur when you're thinking the startup space, but um, really enjoyed my time uh, pursuing that career before it was time to make a change again. Uh, still in the marketing and communications field, but um, I ultimately left and I launched my own uh, consulting business rather than working at the tech startups I was at at the time. So you know, from going to try and figure out what you want, going on your own and 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 really checking some things off the list, maybe putting some things on the list, uh, get the degree, uh, go back for that to get into marketing. But it's a whole nother thing going to work for yourself and try and figure that out and not have necessarily that consistency. Talk about what took place that said, you know what, I'm going to go on my own 
And, you know, did you have some, did you already have some maybe business lined up before you pulled the trigger and not getting that W2 job anymore? I did. I started as a side hustler, very honestly. I didn't just um, pull the the cord one day and jump, jump in. It was a, a somewhat slow build, certainly a, a slow build for the time, but I had proven enough to myself by uh, doing a little bit of consulting work here and there, mostly so- social media management, that um, maybe this was something that I could do full time. And I think um, the combination of that little bit of early success and some hard headedness <laughs> convinced me that, that that was the right thing to do. I learned a ton running my own business. And I ultimately decided to leave that business and go back to working for someone else. So just another really critical point in time where I felt like I was facing those fears around failure or around, um, it felt really similar to dropping out of school the first time, actually to make that sort of decision and make a switch. But ultimately the switch is what led me to the the job that I am in all of these years later and the career I have today. So America Succeeds, uh, is it an organization and, and, you know, going almost into your five years there, uh, talk about where that role came from. And, and how you got into that and have become, I guess, in our conversations, passionate about the work that you're doing with purpose. Yeah. The job I left my business for was with a chamber of commerce doing communications and marketing. What I didn't realize at the time is how much overlap there was between the two, but a lot of the same core skills I had been using in the tech world, in my consulting business applied to the role um, that I ended up in the chamber. And I've had a number of roles in kind of the nonprofit space since then. The through line is that today I am vice president of partnerships for America Succeeds, but I largely oversee our communications and marketing efforts. I oversee business development and fundraising, which is a lot of what I did when I was out on my own. And I get to do a lot of cool things like come on a podcast like this and talk about (laughs) the the future pathways that exist in the world and how we might think differently about connecting someone to a meaningful career. Yeah. And, you know, that's something from my economic development background that when I would go talk to businesses and I've talked about on this podcast that I would talk to, you know, company CEOs or uh, managers or leaders and and this has probably been over the last 10 years that, you know, the big thing that was coming that obviously is here now is the challenge of getting a workforce. And then it was, I can find people, I can't find workers. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And they would bring up basically what durable skills are. And if you're listening to this, you've heard of 21st century skills, you've heard of soft skills, you've heard of people skills or human skills or whatever, or just being a person, uh, things that uh, I, I think a lot of people complain that today's generation or people today, you know, can't communicate, can't critical think, can't time manage all these things. And that's where it gets into durable skills. And and, and I know you were with my colleague, Ethan Weekman in San Diego here earlier in 2022, and he was talking about this. And I'm like, calm down. 
And then when we met and you presented about it in St. Louis, I'm like, I, I remember looking at him going, okay, I get it. I get it. Talk about, talk about the wheel, talk about the durable skills that, you know, I, I'm sharing here and, and have become passionate about almost uh, seemingly obsessed, I suppose, but it's so important in trying to create uh, the next workforce. Well, real quick, to the point of obsession, we are always happy to have another convert uh, spreading the word um, because we think it's really important. So durable skills, as you mentioned, are how you use what you know, skills like critical thinking, communication, creativity, collaboration, and how you show up in the world. So your leadership, your resilience, your self and cultural awareness And it's the combination of these foundational skills that prepare you for success across the workforce. Uh, To your point, we've long heard business leaders say, you know, if you give me someone who can communicate well or think critically, I can train them on the rest. The reality of the world we live in is that technology changes so quickly or is so specific company to company that those are the sorts of things you're going to have to learn and relearn over time, but these durable skills will last throughout your entire career. Um, I think what I've reflected on the longer we've been talking about this and doing this work is that it really was the durable skills I developed early on, um, likely through more of facing adversity than I had ever planned that have helped me navigate a career with change, helped me get into the position that I am today. Um, and I joke, but I'm not sure I'm totally joking in, in my position now, I'm pretty sure I only have durable skills and a lot of those technical skills have faded away. So whether I'm thinking about myself or thinking about career pathways more broadly, I know that these skills are the key to unlocking economic mobility and unlocking success that is personally meaningful and fulfilling to a a learner or worker. Well, what happened along the way? And I don't, I'll put you on the spot here, but what happened along the way that, you know, I feel like these skill sets were maybe more um, maybe being used more, you know, is there history and research back to what has happened that we now have to come back to actually do this? Cause I think it used to be just kind of, this is how we were, you know, I don't know what happened in the world or where things evolved or whatever. Any ideas on that? So many ideas, <laughs> but I, I have a few really big ones that I think are, um, more widely accepted, One uh, that we've talked about a lot relative to education is that we have a school system that was designed to support an economy, the industrial revolution, and something that is a far cry from the world we live in today that rapidly changes, that's highly uncertain, where technology and automation and artificial intelligence are are making the world rapidly change and we're rapidly moving toward the future of work. So that uh, there is a ton of research on that. I think the takeaway is in all of that is simply if technology is going to continue to change, uh, which means we can't predict the types of jobs or technology that a kindergartner or middle schooler, or frankly, even a high schooler is going to face as they enter the workforce, then we have to focus on the things that are the common denominators, which are durable skills. 
I also would say since the pandemic um, and all of the disruption and different things that we've faced, people are hungry for the more human elements, whether that's with coworkers, whether it's within a school community. We know that uh, these skills are incredibly important when it comes to uh, mental wellness, connecting into a community, uh, building relationships, things that are really key to the secret sauce of both success in your education path and success in work and life. Yeah, I'll put the link to to learn more about durable skills here in our show notes. But, you know, I can think back in the last 10 years when the workforce shortage did come up and uh, companies were complaining to our politicians about, I need people, I need people, I need workers. And, well, how do you get workers quick? We throw in technical training. And if we'll just throw them in, it's just about getting those workers out, uh, with the lack of better term, getting workers out as quickly as possible. And I think we did lose, and this this is my opinion, but I think we we did lose track of the people skills and interactions and things like that. And I think sometimes college and university life gets uh, confused of, well, you don't need to go to college to get a job anymore. But there were some of those things along the way that I know I experienced and and uh, even in through your path that you do have to problem solve. You do have to cope. You do have to have some of the, the fortitude, uh, uh, the intestinal fortitude. I don't think that's on the wheel. There's something like that. Uh, constitution, I think, is the is the word on the on the wheel that that you learn along the way to to become that person that 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 works and contributes. Am I in line with that? Do you feel like? I think that is absolutely aligned to to where we're at. It's important to note, uh, building on your comments, that we think durable skills can be cultivated in a lot of ways. So uh, for some, that might be through a college experience, but it might, might also be through a sports team. It might also be through your church, through different community groups. It might be through a summer camp program. It might be through going directly into the workforce, right? A great way. I hear all the time, individuals looking to transfer out of restaurant service. And, you know, their point is always, well, I don't have any skills for the workforce. And I stop them all the time. I'm like, if you have waited tables, you have so many valuable workforce skills. You're good at communicating and prioritizing and time management and problem solving and all sorts of things that companies really highly value. But you need to recognize those in yourself first. And second, you need to be able to communicate those skills to an employer where they might take a chance then to hire you and train you on some of the more technical things that help you break into a career pathway you're interested in. Yeah. We hear the same thing, at least for the CAPS program that I'm a part of, of, you know, if you're, if you're teaching me skill sets, I can teach them the rest. You know, they, they want to bring you in even right out of high school. If you can do some of this stuff and you're trainable, yeah, let, let's, let's get you on, especially as competitive as the job market is, is today. How much further does the work you do in America Succeeds, what else needs to happen for this to really catch the eye of the key people that, that need to see it and need to engage in it or advocate for it? Um, you know, what else needs to be do, but who are those people that, maybe can be a catalyst or maybe the people that are, are the, uh, the obstacles in trying to make this happen. Well, I'd first, 
I'd first shout out CAPS and say thank you to your program and the network more broadly. You were at the epicenter of uh, promoting this work, preparing students with durable skills. We are so pumped by the work that you do and happy to help elevate it. America Succeeds is broadly kind of a systems change organization. In other words, we're a policy advocacy organization. So for us, it's about getting this out to business leaders, helping them use the language of durable skills and recognize the importance, whether it's in their own pathways or uh, in the roles that they're hiring for. We need this uh, in the ears and in front of different policymakers, those who are focused on state change, whether that's education systems or workforce systems or both. And I think most importantly, where we need this is in front of the eyes of students and educators. And that's uh, really the magic of the CAPS program and really kind of where we see the greatest impact in the years to come. A lot of times students are developing these skills, but we haven't told them that they're developing these skills. I talk about it a lot as kind of the vitamins hidden within the applesauce. Your kids are getting a really sweet treat. They don't know they're getting vitamin A, C, E, and the like. Is That's a little bit nutritious and delicious. In a lot of ways, durable skills are built collaborating in a science class, in having an entrepreneurial experience, in doing something really hands-on and project-based. But we haven't told kids that they are collaborating or demonstrating leadership or showing strong critical thinking skills in a way that they can translate them into a job application or an interview or a future pathway. And so uh, I think it's the work in that space we're most interested in, I guess, bottling the lightning <laughs> and uh, telling the stories and holding up what works uh, because it's really powerful to know that it's already happening. And we just like to see more of it happening in schools and educational experiences across the country. Bringing the applesauce to America is, is <laughs> what we're talking about. I, I I'm going to change our tagline to bringing the applesauce <laughs> to America. <laughs> Tell the comms team. Something like something like that. Well, Stephanie, it's been great to catch up again with you and uh, talk through your pathway and, and your career adventure and and the work you're doing now that's going to help so many uh, in America. And, and we're going to continue to be in your court and, and spreading the gospel that is uh, durable skills across America. Well, Nate, thank you for having me, giving the space uh, to talk about my very winding path and uh, for the great work that you do to prepare students. We're big fans of you and the team. Thank you. Again, thank you everyone for listening and being on this journey. And please subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Venture Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.